All right, first one of these for 2024. We welcome the ladies of Pet Chat uh, today, <laughs> some of them. Firstly, Dr. Kimberly Earl, g'day. Hello, welcome. Um, Christmas, summer, Australia Day, all that was good. Oh, it was fantastic. It was all yep. good, excellent. I've had a great time, yep. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Cheryl Shaw, yes. welcome. thank you. Um, oh, it kind of confused me this morning. You're normally the first of the month is the one that you're not in here. Mm. That's your break. But I was saying, what are you doing here? It's the 31st, so it you're is. okay. We'll yep, let you in. I'm here. <laughs> Let's get that brooch watch happening. Um, okay. A pair of thongs and sunglasses. Is this something to do with the beach? That's the weather. We're all talking about the hot weather and our pets at the moment. And g'day, Jenny at Fern Bay. You've got some questions around your dog. What's happening, Jenny? Um, <clears throat> oh, my dog's an assistance dog. Mm-hmm. So she can go anywhere with me. Yes, okay. And um, she comes to church with me on Sunday mornings and she's scared stiff of the feedback in the musical instruments. Oh, as in when the microphones do that loud? Yeah, because yeah. it's much louder to them. Sure, absolutely, yes. And it's yeah, and yeah. it's high-pitched, which is, you know, the range that the dogs hear more. Okay. Yeah. So, so shake, 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 you know? Yeah, okay. So I guess the first thing that I would say is um, we need to be a bit cognizant of the fact that it's probably not only um, loud for her, but potentially painful if it's, you know, if it's really loud. Um, mm-hmm. So we need to probably try to locate her in an area where, you know, things are... Um, quieter if possible um i would go back to your organization who she's um you know who she's certified through and and let them know um she's going to need some desensitization training um and that's a um quite a process you know it's something you'd want to do potentially with a veterinary behaviorist somebody who can maybe prescribe some anti-anxiety medications but it's a a long sort of slow process to try to what we need to do is we need to um create a positive association between the music um and the feedback Although feedback's hard because, like I said, that could actually be creating a physical, you know, discomfort for her. Um, But there are, um, you know, things we can do. Like we have some dogs where um, we find that you can, you know, put a bit of um, not cotton wool so much, but, you know, gauze or something down into the ears carefully. Um, But you wouldn't do that without, you know, embarking on the desensitization training. Um, And she may need some some medication, situational medication to try to help reduce the anxiety. Because remember, anxiety. Anxiety tends to build upon itself, so anxiety builds anxiety. So that's what I would do, um, you know, if you've got somebody who you can um, look to at the organization. and um, But otherwise, the next sort of step, you know, depending on if they're local or not, I would um, seek the advice of a veterinary behaviorist. We've got a few of them um, around, operating around locally, um, because it's going to be something that you, you're going to want to do a very sort of regimented sort of step-by-step um, process for desensitizing her and and you know building that positive um, positive relationship with the yeah. with the building yeah. and it might be that we have to you know take some trips to church when their music isn't there and try to you know yeah. start with that sort of thing already. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we do. Uh, I do. Go, do, do but I do go to a study on Monday mornings. She runs into the church thing because she yeah. knows there's not going to be that feedback. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So it's not yeah. the actual building. So yeah. 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 Um. She's in a pram now because she will not go from the car, and she's very heavy. So, uh, you know, I've got a pram, and I'll wheel her in with the pram. You know, yep. so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so see if you can maybe, I mean, they often have, you know, places where you can sit with them, like with, you know, babies and stuff that are in, like, a quieter section. You might be able to find um, something like that, too, where, where it's not so noisy for her. 
Yeah, there's another thing you might like to try, Jenny. There's a thing called a thunder cap that fits over the dog's head and it actually acts like a little mm. bit of a, a buffer. Mm. We often mm. use them in um, situations where dogs don't like the high-velocity dryers, so you could try that. Mm -hmm. They're used a lot for thunderstorms and, and, you know, loud noises, so it could be worth, a, you know, a try on something like that as yeah, well. something to, to muffle the sounds a yes. bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, best of luck with everything there, Jenny. 49216216. If you, like Jenny, have a question for our Pet Chat team today, dog, cat, bird, pet snake, pet hubby. That didn't take long to throw that one out again, did it? <laughs> Who wants to have a crack at the first pet hubby we have? No, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, Pet Chat on 2NURFM 103.7. Dr. Kimberly Earless here and Cheryl Shaw, who uh, basically made the badge nice and easy for us today. <laughs> the thongs, the hat and the sunglasses. That's all on a brooch, by the way. Mm. Um, and we'll, it's a bit of weather talk today. It is. We've been experiencing some really hot weather and our pets are something that we've got to take into consideration. A lot of people don't think about they go off to the beach or out for the day to enjoy the sun and they leave their pets at home. Now we need to make sure that you're giving ample water because you'll often find that dogs will obviously drink more water drink in the more, heat, way more. but yep. they may need a second or a third bowl just to make sure that while you're out, they've got plenty of water to stay hydrated. The other thing is some dogs, particularly your Labradors <laughs> and your Retrievers, retrievers. <laughs> they will just play in that water bowl, they'll splash it all out. So you need to be prepared with extra resources for them. Freezing large containers of ice so that you can put that out so it can melt during the day. Some dogs really enjoy eating ice as well. It mm. can help them just, you know, have an activity as well as keeping them hydrated. You'll sometimes find, even when you're at home, I know my dogs, my dogs have got a lot of coat, but they'll sometimes go and lay outside and I have to sort of say, hey, come on guys, in, because they just don't sort of get that, that's hot out there. Mm. So making sure that you're, you know, monitoring where they are. If you're going away, make sure that you've got areas in the yard that are shaded, remembering that the sun is going to move across the sky and what you think in the morning is providing a lot of shade, midday or in the afternoon could be a very different situation. There are some dogs that can't be outside. Those little squishy in faces, those mm. pugs, those brachycephalic dogs, they just can't get enough oxygen when it's hot. So they need to be inside because they're a real issue, Kimberly, aren't they? Yeah, we, we see dogs getting into life-threatening trouble all the time and it's almost always the squashy face. Your bulldogs, French bulldogs, um, pugs, you know, those those yeah. little dogs. Even occasionally we'll get um, some of the little squashier-faced Malteses, things like that. But yep. um, really, you know, these little dogs that we have bred to have these squashy faces, not only are their noses shortened, um, they often have a very large tongue. And then, um, you know, a lot of these dogs are actually, they develop with very, very small airways, much smaller than, say, a Jack Russell of a similar size. So if you compare a pug airway to a Jack Russell airway, even though the dogs might be a comparable size, often the airway of the of the pug um, is significantly smaller. And I always liken it to if you go and run, you know, if you're not a runner, you go and you run around a sports field two or three times, and then you try to catch your breath by breathing only through a straw. Um, it's really, really hard. It's life-threatening. And on a hot day, these guys really struggle to cool themselves. So they're at much increased risk of um, heat stroke. And yeah. yeah. Another idea for some of these dogs when we've got them inside is to get a towel and wet it. They'll often lay on that. Some dogs will go and mm -hmm. find areas to lay on like cold tiles or floorboards. Mm -hmm. And you'll see them spreading out trying to just cool off their major organs. So that's a, a good idea as mm -hmm. well. Some people use those clams, you know, those um, baby swimming pools. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're fantastic. 
fantastic for dogs. Mm. The dogs will often go and lay in them. But it's so important to make sure we're providing these things for the dogs to keep cool. You know, when we've got temperatures up in the 40, that is way so hot. Mm -hmm. The other thing is adjust when you're walking your dogs. Don't go, you know, out in the the early morning and the afternoon are the best time. So that early evening, early morning before the ground gets hot because the dogs are going to be feeling that heat on their pads. That's how they cool down, by panting through their tongue and by the the middle section of their pads on their feet. So if they're getting hot, they just can't um, cool down. So just remembering we need to adjust our times even if we've got patterns that we do in hot weather it goes out the window you've got to change things up such a frustrating thing isn't it when you see folks that, that are that sort of walking their dog you think man it's too hot and then you there's something you always say when this comes up cheryl that if you wouldn't be able to walk around with no shoes and socks on yeah the, the, that's the that's the trick you don't walk the animals when then when it's like that yeah well i use that quote you know dogs mm. don't wear thongs and that's so important to remember that if you can't keep your hand on that pavement or that tar or cement for five seconds then there's no way you should be walking your dog it's way too hot mm. and they and get sand blisters the, yeah. the sand at the beach Mm. if you're on a boat even you know people don't realize just how hot the decks of boats get and in utilities I would never put a dog on a tray of a utility Mm. that that metal gets piping hot and the dogs will just get you know really burnt feet the other thing is Kimberly rabbits and and um these yes yeah guinea pigs they can't guinea pigs they have a very very low tolerance for um heat stress um and we it's not uncommon for us to have emergency rabbits and guinea pigs rush down to us on hot days and they've collapsed. So um, we actually recommend to our rabbit guinea pig clients that you take um, old empty soft drink bottles and freeze them and put them in there. Obviously, they absolutely need to have shade. Um, Preferably, they'd be inside in the air conditioning. Uh, But if you freeze water bottles and put, you know, one per animal into their enclosure, we'll often find the rabbits in particular love to drape themselves over top of the frozen water bottles. Guinea pigs will snuggle up against them. but, you know, these guys are really, really susceptible to heat stress. Their normal body temperature is about 40 degrees. And so when you get a day that's extra hot, they really struggle to cool themselves. So, um, yeah, that's really critical. If you've got these little pets, shade, water, um, lots of, you know, fresh leafy greens so that they stay hydrated, um, frozen water bottles and, you know, keep them cool and be really, really vigilant. Yeah. You know, the other day it was really nice at my place, a, a pied um Butcher bird was sitting in the trees and we have an irrigation system to water and it was sitting there just really enjoying the, the moisture the misting moisture. over it. So yeah. I, I don't advocate to give wild animals anything, but certainly putting <laughs> the sprinkler on for your magpies and yes. bowls of water out yeah. at the moment, I think yeah. is really a, a good thing to do for our wildlife as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, Cheryl Shaw is here. Hi, Cheryl, again. Hi. And also Dr. Kimberly Earle is here. Hi to you as well. Yes. And uh, you want to talk about rabbits today. There's a bit of a yeah. bit of a thing going on in the rabbit community. In the rabbit community, yeah. Um, well, it's mostly that just in our practice, so we see quite a lot of rabbits, and um, we have had a real uptake in the cases of myxomatosis recently. So um, I don't know if everybody else has noticed, but I've certainly noticed there are lots of mosquitoes around, particularly with the hot, humid weather. Um, got, got one. Got yeah. <laughs> and um, and you know, myxomatosis is one of these diseases that um, we have in in Australia. It's been released as a, um, a 
method of biocontrol for our feral um, European rabbit populations. And unfortunately, our pet rabbits pay a heavy price as well. And so um, we, you know, we go through periods where we sometimes will have large numbers of mixed mitosis cases coming through. Um, we seem to be in one of those. We've had um, probably uh, a dozen cases in the last two to three weeks come through our hospital. That's, is that a lot? That seems like a high it number. It is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It's probably the most that I have seen um, in one sort of period in uh, years. It, it would certainly be years, five or six years probably. Um and the trouble with myxomatosis is that uh, it's not. There's no treatment for it. It's a fatal disease. It's a not a very humane disease. Um, our our feral rabbits, the the wild ones, probably don't get the disease to the same degree that our pet rabbits do because they're sort of being exposed out and about, um, and they're sort of developing some resistance to it. But our pet rabbits often succumb to a really horrible, nasty disease. So um, we don't have a vaccine in Australia. We are likely to never have a vaccine in Australia. Um, if you're in Europe, there are there are vaccines available, but um, here we just have to prevent the rabbits from getting exposed. And the majority of rabbits we suspect get, uh, get it from biting insects, so particularly mosquitoes, but also fleas and other, you know, sort of biting arthropods. Um, so we need to prevent, you know, have have your rabbits, if they're outside, try to keep them outside during the low mosquito times of the day. So um, although we don't want them to get hot, but the middle of the day is often going to have fewer mosquitoes than early in the morning and late at night. Um making sure that we're using a nice fine mosquito netting over their hutches so that the mosquitoes don't have access, uh, making sure that they're on flea prevention because fleas can certainly, you know, cat fleas go on to rabbits and dogs. Um, and although rabbits, although cats and dogs aren't susceptible to myxomatosis, if the flea has gone, you know, from one rabbit to the next, you know, gone through the backyard or whatever, and it's gone onto the cat and then it's onto your rabbit, um, we can get it that way. So, um, you know, whatever we can do to try to prevent exposure is really, really important. I have a couple of things to keep in mind there and also make sure they don't dig up your garden while they're out as well. <laughs> yeah, that too. Different discussion. <laughs> uh, hey, to Spears Point, g'day, Kathy. Your dog has uh, got a bit of a thing for looking up. What's going on, Kathy? Oh, hello. Hi, Kathy. Hello. My daughter's got a oh, three-year-old chihuahua and is obsessive. With looking up at the ceiling mm -hmm. and spotting any little bugs. Yeah, okay. So it's fly spotting and things, is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, is it barking at the at the things that it's seeing or is it just looking up? No, barking. Barking at them, yeah. So yeah. We, we get some dogs that become really fixated, um, you know, fly catchers we call them, and, and they often, you know, will get really obsessive about little, you know, bugs or moving sort of targets. Sometimes those dogs have been um, played with or teased with laser pointers and stuff when they were younger, but not always. Sometimes it's just something they, you know, do on their own. Um, I've seen dogs who get really fixated on ceiling fans, the, the motion rotating of ceiling fans it can happen as well um, I guess it's one of those things that it's it's unlikely it's going to cause major problems except for the noise I mean if the dog's you know constantly barking at those sorts of things that is quite tricky um, and you know I guess preventing them access to, to those sort of spaces is one of the things that we can do but it is tricky because like at this time of year there's flies everywhere um, 
you know, I guess we want to try to distract the dog where possible and try, you know, we always talk about not letting them practice the behavior that we don't want them to be exhibiting wherever possible. So trying to redirect their um, focus and attention away from, you know, from what's um, going on can be, you know, worthwhile trying to do, I guess. In this instance, you know, whether or not you... Um, go through with a bug spray and try to you know get the flies out of it or you try to encourage the dog that when you see a you know see a fly like here's a positive reinforcement for sitting calmly and you know and take a treat um that would take some work but i mean chihuahuas despite their little size you know can learn quite a few you know normal sorts of things like big size dogs um good tricks so you know that's what i would try to do is to try to redirect the dog's attention so that when it sees a fly it starts trying to look around for where's my treat you know who's got the treat i see a fly and that way hopefully we can try to um make it so it's not so obsessive about it because these dogs often are very obsessive about these little things that they're chasing around yes well as soon as my dog like you like Gringo, he'll bark and bark and bark and bark and just be obsessed. Mm, yeah. And wait for my daughter to get the fly spray. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. He's he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right across Newcastle and the Hunter to NURFM 103.7. And for the next couple of moments... Uh, the ladies of Pet Chat. That might be the that might be the, the ladies tag. Of pet chat. The, the ladies of Pet Chat. I know we've got a we got a couple more, but you know this is it. This is it. Um, Cheryl Shaw and Dr. Kimberly. Oh, this is a this is the time we try and expand somebody's family a little bit more mm-hmm. by saying, hey, "You want a dog or a cat? We've got some." Yes, it's the, we've got some. We've got some. Uh, some links anyway for you. We do. Now, the pet of the week, the first the dog of the week, well, let's talk about Zip, who is the eight-month-old Spoodle. Shall we want to have a go at describing Zip uh, physiology and then we'll read, read in some of the bits and pieces? Oh, I'm sure he's going to make somebody a very happy owner. He looks quite cute there. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, st- still getting the hang around being around people, although yep. he seems okay with pets and uh, snuggles. So um, still a bit to go on the toilet training too. Yeah, so this this little guy is young, um, so definitely trainable, but it does sound like he hasn't maybe had as much socialization as we would like in his early life. Um, He is still learning about walking on leashes and toilet training. Um, looks like he's going to need a bit of a work. And there there was some discussion about he's just learning to live um, in the house. However... Um, he's quite, you know, he's a nice small breed dog. Um, it says he is, yeah, understand, appreciate, time to adjust and learn home life. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be good for somebody who probably doesn't have a lot of children, who's got a lot of time just to put into socialization and training, um, escape-proof yard, because he is a little dog, and it says he is good at slipping through gaps and scurrying over small fences. So, And that's the thing. While he uh, yeah, is somewhat of a cute dog, I mean, you mm-hmm. just have to keep in mind that certain animals, uh, there are certain boxes you really need to tick before you just go and grab them. And another thing to consider too, when you're taking on a dog like this, it is a dog that's going to require grooming. So mm-hmm. you need to, you know, factor that into costing as well. Because pets can be, you know, you might think it's, oh, great, I'll get this dog. And then suddenly a month later, six weeks later, it's needing a haircut. Mm-hmm. And you haven't factored that costing in. Absolutely. Yeah. And pet food too. Yes. And pet food and <laughs> medical. There's lots to factor in. I know that's a given, but, you know, sometimes you just have to state the obvious for yes. folks. Folks, um, all right, cat of the week. We have Calypso, a three and a half year old female tabby cat, and just a nice, gentle nature. 
uh, a charming companion for any home and uh, does enjoy just cur- curling up at a cosy spot um, and loves human interactions and is child-friendly and litter-trained. So uh, oh, there you go, fantastic. It's perfect. perfect. Mm, she's lovely. Perfect. She looks like she's a bit um, sort of tortoiseshell calico, like she's sort of yes. a, a brown and, yeah. and ginger sort of colour, so she's not your typical grey tabby, so it's lovely. And... Um, yeah, she's a nice young cat, but old enough to be probably out of her, like, silly kitten stage. And uh, it's always good when they're good with kids. So Yeah, mm. big helping hand. All right, well, <laughs> a couple of options there for you. Calypso the cat and Zip the dog. Uh, if you'd like to learn a bit more about our uh, dog and cat of the week, uh, we've got some info at the Pet Chat page at uh, 2NURFM.com.au. A couple of minutes left, ladies. I reckon we can do it. We can tackle a, a couple of calls. What do you think? Absolutely, yep. Get them in. Right across Newcastle and the Hunter, 2 in URFM 103.7. Just a couple of minutes left uh, for Pet Chat episode uh, 01 for 2024. The ladies of Pet Chat, Cheryl Shaw. <laughs> what are we going to do, when, um, Dr. Gimley, when David's back? We're going to come up with something for him. The people of Pet Chat? No. I don't know. I don't uh, know. We'll, yeah. we'll workshop that. Look, still yeah. a little bit of um, summer around. In fact, the, yeah. the next few weeks will be very, very hot. So a uh, couple of things to keep in mind for heat stress. Yeah, well, um, Cheryl sort of said, you know, what are the main signs of, of heat stress? Because you may not actually um, necessarily identify. We all know we take our dogs for a walk or we're playing with them out in the backyard. And when dogs get hot, they pant. Um, but really for us, the key signs um, of heat stress is often a dog who's panting past the point of when, you know, they should be. Like a dog who's reasonably fit um, or even not that fit but, you know, just in normal health normal range, should yeah. be able to get their panting and their respirations back under control in about three to five minutes really after they've been running around. Um, often the dogs that we see who are heat stressed, you know, they've been out and they've been active or they've been lying in the sun um, and they're still panting as if they had just sat down after, you know, exercising. Um, um, often the sound of the panting gets much more um, noisy and labored and harsh. And so instead of just getting a little, <laughs> how do you like that impression? Yeah, that was good. Then they start to go, <laughs> and there's often like a coughing sort of um, characteristic to it, but it's often really loud. Sometimes they'll be frothing, um, foaming at the mouth. Some dogs physically can't get up anymore, so they might lie down. And as they start to try to get up again, they're flailing their legs and they just, you know, they can't get themselves up. Um, But if it's going on, you know, longer than about, you know, 10 minutes. Now, one thing, if your dog's just happily looking around and panting with their tongue lolling out, but there's no increased um, desperation or effort to it, that's probably okay. My dog certainly does pant when she's not been exercising. But if you look at your dog and go, gee, you know, you stopped running around or you stopped playing, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago and you're still panting like crazy. If they're panting too much to drink, because I think the other thing is that often these dogs are too worked up to drink. You know how you've Mm. just stopped running and you actually just need to catch your breath. And these dogs often can't catch their breath. Um, And this can be for any dog. So we were talking earlier about the squashy face brachycephalics but really it can be you know any dogs labrador um labrador dogs in particular tend to have um a a higher rate of um laryngeal paralysis and they are often pretty susceptible to heat stress as well um so they make that really noisy sort Mm. of panting kind of sound as well um so again access to water giving your dog some cool water but if you think that that they are heat stressed we do want to start you know trying to think about a getting them up to a vet but b trying to cool them and we definitely don't want to be at that point dunking them into ice water or anything like that um, you know starting to wet their feet um, can be really good getting them to lie on cool towels 
Um, we don't want to put wet towels over top of them because that can actually hold the heat in, but they can be on top of the towels. Um, but we also need to be mindful of the fact that even after a dog has recovered or a cat has recovered from heat stroke or heat stress, um, sometimes they can still go downhill and go into organ failure like two days later or the damage is already done, but we don't often see it um, for a few days. So, you know, if you at all think that your dog has, has a heat stress event, um, get the into a vet because you know rapid careful cooling with IV fluids and things like that um, is absolutely life-saving. All right some great uh, pointers there because plenty of summer to go. Dr. Kim Leola mm-hmm. thank you for your insights today appreciate thank it. Thank you. And Cheryl Shaw thank you for yours as well great uh, and you'll be uh, having next week off. Yeah next week off. <laughs> can't, so, can't do two so in a row. So much effort <laughs> I've got to, put, got to put in for some holidays. All right that's Pet uh, Chat done and run run and done today at 2 in URFM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.